Welcome to Integrate Yourself, everybody. I'm your host, Allison Pillow, and you can find me at pureenergypdx.com and finallythrivingbook.com. We have an incredible show today. My dear friend, Kristen Joy Davis. She is author of the children's book, Abracadabra, I Know What I Can Do. Kristen is an educator and an enlisted level three story work coach. And uh, she teaches what she learned about the power of her words. She went through the enlisted program, which teaches uh, coaches how to coach people manifest their reality with intention through words and really becoming aware of that. And she's put that into a kid's book, which I think is genius to give kids a, a foundation, a framework to work from as children. We get a lot of confusing messages as kids from parents, from authority figures about what people what they say, what what it all means. Um, and this really leads to a lot of uh, confusion as as you grow up, you still hold these these experiences within you and then you um, you know because you took them to heart when you're a kid, you thought they meant something uh, that really didn't mean what people, we're saying, and many times people, they say things all the time they don't really mean, or they don't really, uh, you know, they don't talk about what they really want to create. Instead, they tell you what they don't want you to do. So this is a very important book. And the way she described her, her book and how people are receiving it is a lot of the parents are enjoying it too. They're getting a lot out of it uh, for themselves as they, as they teach them ki- their kids this as well. So I thought that was an incredible gift that she is giving to the world. Um, so, you know, at, as she was a teacher and working with kids, she under, she started to realize as she describes in the show today that kids are going to be, uh, much more, um, they're going to receive your message much better if you say what you mean and, and make it real clear. And, uh, Focus more on what you want them to do rather than what you don't want to do. And I remember being a parent and going through that too, because that's what I had learned. I had learned to uh, tell my kids what I didn't want them to do because that's how I was taught. And so she is breaking the chain with that today with this book by teaching kids how to use their language to create their reality at the at a very young age, which is is powerful. And with parents too, and how they talk to their kids, and uh, you know, not to say we're not we're not setting boundaries, and we certainly are. We're just again, I thought it was genius the the approach she took by just communicating what you would like, what you would want from your kids, rather than what you don't want. Because as we know, when you tell someone you don't want something or that you don't want them to do something, that's what gets focused on, and so. Uh, really, really incredible stuff. Uh, she also founded Language Ninjas, uh, which empowers parents and children by empowering their language as well. So it's another company, which I believe is going to be a multimedia company moving forward. Um, and she now guides parents in upgrading their communication with their kids through her book. Really amazing. So I hope you enjoyed this show as much as I did. I will be heading down to California uh, tomorrow 
to do a few workshops and to also share my book. So um, if you have an area where you want me to come uh, and talk about my book, like if you want me to come do a talk or or do some a signing, uh, please let me know. And I will come, I'll do my best to, to come out there and, and, and show up. Uh, I'm really loving this. It's so much fun. I'm, I'm getting a lot of great feedback about my book too uh, from people and it's amazing. It's just so well received at this point and I'm grateful for that. So thank you for every for everyone who has given me some amazing reviews on Amazon um, and also feedback uh, personally, just talking or sending you messages and and uh, posting on Instagram. It's been really wonderful to see. So thank you so much for uh, giving me such wonderful feedback. I'm really happy this book is helping people learn more about themselves so that they can empower themselves to uh, make the change in the world they would like to see by starting with themselves, starting with you. That's how it all begins. You are the practice. So uh, we start there. Uh, I am also putting together an online companion program that goes with the book. So you will get coaching, live group coaching with me every week and uh, an online program that goes with the book and really helps you integrate everything that um, I talk about in the book. It helps you follow through and take the action steps in order to make the change that is needed in your life to create joy, creativity, and um, love for yourself. It's really ultimately up up to that, right? It's, it's how you receive love from the world and also uh, unconditionally love yourself. We all want to get to that point somehow, but there are steps. There are steps to do it because we've learned things along the way that block us from realizing that. So that's what I share in my book and I, and I give it to you uh, through a wellness lens. So um, if you'd like to pick up a copy, you can head over to Amazon, pick it up. I will leave a direct link on the show notes here as well. Uh, it's pretty much available everywhere at Barnes and Noble. I just realized it's available for the people in Portland that are local to Portland. It's available uh, at Pals too. So um, I, you know, just check it out. Find, see if my book is there. And, and I'm sure it will be. But uh, the easiest way to get it is through Amazon as well. So I'll leave that link on the show notes. Uh, so thank you for listening. This is a really, really great show. Whether you have kids or not, this is a wonderful show to um, to to share with you guys. I, I, am, I think it just applies to everybody. It applies to our inner children and um, helping them uh, heal from past traumas of childhood as well and and moving forward and creating a different reality for the kids that are coming up for the next generation. Uh, I think it's so important to focus on on that. So uh, without further ado, Kristen Joy Davis, she's a wonderful, wonderful person, wonderful friend, and uh, I hope you enjoy this show as much as I did. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, one of my dear friends, Kristen Joy Davis. Kristen is an educator and an enlifted level three story work coach. It was while she was teaching that she learned about the power of her words. 
Once she discovered the magic she could create by using her words differently, she knew she needed to share the magic with others. Kristen founded Language Ninjas to empower parents and children by empowering their language. She now guides parents in upgrading their communication with their kids. This is an amazing thing that you're offering, Kristen, and you just wrote a book. I can't wait mm -hmm. to talk about that today. You wrote a children's book, and um, I've, I've been talking about this lately with um, some of my friends, and I've had a couple other friends that have written children's books, and it's just really um, it's such a needed thing right now to, mm -hmm. to be creating conscious media for kids because they're going to be dealing with so much of a different world that we grew up than we grew up mm -hmm. with. Right. It's going to, it's already completely changed. Oh, yeah. Right. So, um, if you would do me a favor and just start out, I'd love for you to share more about yourself, how you came to be in this place of writing a children's book, mm -hmm. helping kids with their language, which we could, it's great to start with kids, but a lot of adults mm -hmm. could use this too, honestly. Mm -hmm. So, um, but please share your story and, uh, and then we can get right into the book. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, well, I, I grew up around kids. My mom had a, a daycare, which she ended up opening because she got pregnant with me and wanted to stay home with her kids. So I, when I got to college, I was like, I, I want to work with kids. This is what I've grown up with. So I went in to be a teacher and this was back early two thousands. Um, there was, there was a teaching boom at the time. So I kept getting, uh, like I'd, I'd apply to schools to teach after I graduated from college with my elementary, my degree in elementary education, I'd apply to schools and they'd be like, well, you need experience in order to work here. And I'm like, how do I get that experience without getting a job? So um, I went like for a few years, I was substitute teaching. I ended up um, tutoring for a while. And then Lance and I, when we moved out to Oregon, um, I started working in a private preschool. So I'd been working in various ways with kids for many years. Um, but, and it was at this preschool where I really started to learn what, how, how my words were affecting the teaching and how kids were reacting and responding with me. Um, this wasn't something I was taught in at any of my time learning things as a teacher did, um, there weren't any points in time where they were like, the way you talk to the kids, the words that you use are very important in order to get them to listen. Mostly what I was taught was if they're not listening, yell louder. And yes. I was, <laughs> yes, I was also um, told by when I was doing my student teaching, I was told by my overseeing instructor that I may want to rethink my career because I was soft-spoken. I was like, hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> like kids, like the, the idea shouldn't be that I have to be so loud that they can hear me. The idea should be like, they want to hear me. So they're going to quiet down. And so it'd been a, ch um, a challenge in the back of my mind for me to figure out how to do that without yelling, because I hated being the teacher that was yelling. It was, mm -hmm. it was no fun. And at the same time, like ended up having to be that teacher for a while because I didn't know what other way to get their attention. And 
one year I had a little boy with autism and ADHD and he had an aide that would come in all the time. Um, about once a week to talk with me and see how her things were going and give me any tips. And I was having a conversation with her. And while we're talking, she, she was hearing what I said and she's like, all right, so I want, I'm going to, I want you to understand a little bit about how his world is. So she's, um, she was trying to explain more the ADHD aspect to me, like how there's stimulants all over, but she had a really good example of she's like imagine that you're driving driver's training first time in a vehicle there's stimulants all around you and all of a sudden your instructor yells don't turn left (laughs) what are you gonna do (laughs) and I laughed (laughs) I said I'm gonna turn left yeah (laughs) yeah that's what I heard (laughs) (laughs) so when she told me that though um she gave me two really great tips say what you need Um, say what you want the kids to do, specifically him, but also all the kids. And you're going to be repeating it and repeating it often. So she gave me the, like, those were the two biggest tips I had ever (laughs) gotten. And they were still to this day, most useful, like say what you need and you're going to be repetitive. If you want, especially with him, it's like, if I want him to do something, I had to tell him again and again and again, and even show him how to do it. And funny enough, it worked with all the kids. <laughs> like when I did the same thing with everybody, they all were listening so much better. Uh, and then it like, doesn't surprise me. No. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and then about a year after that, Lance, um, he had come, he's like, you know what? I want to get a life coach. Um, and what ended up happening instead of getting a life coach is we went to training camp for the soul together where we, Um, that was my first, other than like yoga and acupuncture, it was my first, um, experience with personal development and it was a deep, deep dive. (laughs) Yeah. Big one for the first time. Uh (laughs) And with that, like huge changes, like I, I started to realize how with me working on myself, um, and calming myself, how that changed within the classroom with my students. And then I learned about the po- my words even more through vocabulary with Mark England. And uh, what that started changing the vocabulary in my head, when I started doing that, that really changed a lot for me. So I, once I realized the impact of this as a teacher, I was, I was looking for books about mindfulness, um, how to calm yourselves, different things like that. And, uh, I, I sent Mark a message at one point and I was like, have you thought about doing vocabulary for kids? And <laughs> basically his answer was, why don't you write the book? And then, so, so that Perfect. led me, yeah, that led me to writing, um, writing the book. And eventually I met my illustrator and friend, Rachel, and yeah, every, ever since I've met her and we started working together, it was, it's been magical. So I've had a lot of fun and excited for more. That's incredible. And I love how you, you know, your curiosity led you to that place where you Mm -hmm. could understand, you knew that the yelling wasn't working. I remember personally being, I was also a preschool teacher at one Mm -hmm. point and 
Um, and I also taught young kids gymnastics. And it's like, that's all I was taught too, is to yell at them louder. And I always felt so uncomfortable. I was like, this doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And it, the kids are not responding well to this. And I just, I, I knew that there had to be a better way, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, but again, I didn't have the tools. I, I wasn't taught that either. Um, because I just, I, you know, I didn't grow up with any of that as well. Like many of us don't we are taught, like you're saying on what not to do, but we're not really asked what someone wants or what they, you know, someone would like for us to do. And, um, and now I feel like it's gotten to the point of so much soft talk. We've kind of gone to the other extreme, right. Mm -hmm. With everything that it now it's so confusing what people actually want because yeah. they're dancing around it with their language. Right. Especially right now. I yeah. have I have no idea what rules I'm supposed to follow when I'm an adult. <laughs> I know. I think, I think you could join the club because most people feel that way and, um, and things are constantly changing. So that tells me that there are really no rules. It's just dependent on what, you know, somebody's clear, how much someone's clear and what their clarity is around what they really are asking for and what they want themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, I feel like what you're doing with kids, you're helping them develop that at an early age, really with that clarity, you know, to maintain throughout the rest of their life, instead of it getting muddled and confused about, you know, within the people pleasing realm mm -hmm. or the saying the right thing, you know, and all of that, there is discernment within that. And at the same time, there needs to be at some point, some direct, you know, language towards mm -hmm. what we're trying to communicate. Right. And so that's really valuable what mm -hmm. you're, what you're doing. And so the book is called Abracadabra. How did you come up with that name? That is funny because when, when I was teaching, um, the, at the preschool, I was bringing the older kids to school on the bus each morning. And we weren't allowed to listen to music because it'd be a distraction. So when the kids are on the bus, there's plenty of noise. <laughs> you don't have any time to think when they're off the bus, there's plenty of time to think. And I was driving the bus back to the school after dropping them off. And this was not too long after I started doing vocabulary and soon after training camp for the soul. And before either of those things, if you were to ever ask me, well, when I was asked, <laughs> what mm -hmm. is your five-year goal? My answer, I was the person that was like, I don't know what I want for dinner tonight. So why would I know what it, so I want five years from now? <laughs> that was me. I can I, relate I to that so that. <laughs> much. That's why I'm laughing. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. That's, that was me too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes yeah. still is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> So for the first time ever, um, I started having things pop in my mind where like, when I thought about five years from now, like I'd get an image in my head of something I'm like, okay, this is new and I can get behind this. So one of the days when I'm driving and it's quiet, all of a sudden a book image came into my mind and it said abracadabra on it and my name was on it. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that as a, I'm going to be writing a book. And I did try to pass it off to Mark first, and then he passed it right back. So <laughs> it sounds so, like Mark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, um, 
I did try to think of other names for what it could be. And I was like, no, this one was in my head from the very beginning. And it's, yeah, it feels like the best one to go with. So yeah, yeah that, and it, it's perfect because it's all about word magic, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, and which is, is so appropriate for kids. I mean, how, mm-hmm. you know, teaching kids the magic of their words and what they can create by voicing their words is incredible, you know, mm-hmm. it's, and, and, and kids are at an age too that, I mean, most, they are still, they still have curiosity. They still have imagination, most of them. Um, and so they're able to explore that then with this, which I think is so incredible uh, to be able to give them the opportunity rather than putting them in school and teaching them about, you know, grammar or mm-hmm. any of the technical, you know, left brain stuff that we normally would learn about words. This is more giving energy and expression to words that they're using, which I think is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I remembered while you're talking about all the grammar in school. Like, yeah, that, that's what I learned in school. I learned about how to spell words, what they mean. And at no point in time was I taught how to how to use my words in a way that empowers me. And yeah. Yeah. And that's an important skill to learn it. Um, yeah. I mean, do you see it, the educational system changing at any point and, and, uh, especially with it really restructuring mm-hmm. <clears throat> from this past couple of years, I see a lot of, a lot of, um, I just see a lot of things in the educational system breaking down, honestly, mm-hmm. and not, and people are realizing they're not working. Do you, how do you feel about all of that? What's your take on what you see in the, in the future with education? Do you think that we're going to be heading in a direction where we're, where we're becoming more mindful and conscious of, of language? Um, I, w- <laughs> I'm hoping that all of these things can shift in a smooth way. And I have a feeling that the whole system is going to need to collapse before we can get where we need to. Um, however, with that being said, there are a lot of people who are parents specifically who are recognizing this system isn't working. And if they can, they're finding other educators that are also saying the system isn't working and doing either homeschooling or they're doing smaller groups of learning. And within those groups, I believe most of them are very um, set in the direction of, I, I want my kids to be getting a full robust style learning instead of sitting at a desk because what education is and has been for so long is getting the kids ready for the workforce. They're on work hours. They're like, they go to school before their parents go to work and they get out only a little bit before their parents get done with work. So they're being trained to sit in a desk and follow directions. And that's largely what the education system is teaching so that you grow up, you're taught to follow rules, you're taught to fit in a box, and you're told that the career that you're going after is going to be something that where you're working for somebody else, earning a paycheck. So, and, and now, especially with college students coming out with so much in student loans and not even being able to afford the life that 
our parents had without going to college. It's yeah, yeah it's a mess. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I really do agree with that. And I, and I, and I, I think the solution is to, uh, that the kids are going to have to become more creative as mm-hmm. they, as they get into the workforce. I, I think, you know, uh, yes, they, mm-hmm. they're, it, and it's outdated. The educational system really is. And it's it, for me personally, I was super bored throughout the entire time. I, I, the only class, my favorite classes were PE art and music, you know, and I, I don't really remember many of the other ones. I remember <laughs> calligraphy. Uh, I Ooh. did. Oh no. So cur- sorry, cursive. We had to mm-hmm. learn how to write in cursive and, and you know, things like that were fun. I, I loved when our teachers would read us books and, and share those kinds of stories. Um, I believe like we, uh, what is it? The witch and the warlock. Um, that book from a long time is ago. Is it the Lion, the Witch, and the, the Lion, the Witch, and the mm-hmm. Wardrobe? Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I, don't know why I said Warlock. Uh, yeah, so that was a great. I remember mm-hmm. that book, and 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 just it was it opened up my imagination so much because uh, the kid went through their closet and it opened into another dimension of reality, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my god, you know. And everything else was pretty boring for me though, and I just didn't. I didn't feel, I was so excited. I just remember being so excited to get, go to uh, kindergarten and start school, you know, and then it was such a letdown. Mm. I was so disappointed. Um, I just remember feeling that as a kid, so disappointed, almost to the point of depression that I was like in this, you know, I was just like, Mm. that was a long time ago. I'm sure, you know, it's probably hasn't gotten much better, although there are are a lot of alternatives, Mm -hmm. but, uh, which is good. Yeah. But I'd yes. argue, yeah, I'd argue <laughs> it's gotten worse because well, at least like when we were in kindergarten, it was play is how you learn. Yeah. Um, it was when I was in college still, I was nannying for a little boy and his, th- we were in Michigan. His mom was moving back to Tennessee where they were from and he was going into kindergarten. And she told me before he even got into kindergarten, he was already behind because he didn't know he tested low. Like there were already tests for kindergartners. And so she was supposed to be doing catch up for him. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so there is a lot less play and a lot more teaching them to sit. Um, There is forcing, you need to know the alphabet. You need to know these sight words. You need to know how to write your name and expecting every kid to do it at the same time. Where I remember in kindergarten, we did have benchmarks we had to meet. But it was like, could you tie a shoe? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was fun. I yeah. actually loved kindergarten the most probably. And yeah, after that it was, and then I think when I got to eighth grade, I was in home ec and I loved mm-hmm. that. I just loved like learning like real life skills mm-hmm. or things that really, you know, where I could experience them and not just sit and have to listen. That sucked. But, and I can imagine that many kids probably feel that way. And it's, you know, I, I, how, you know, and at what point are we going to become adults and realize we never got to play like mm-hmm. what so many kids might be experiencing that, you know, right now. Um, and I, and I, I like the idea of your book because it does allow kids to explore words that way and to play with words and to, and so I would love for you to, to expand more about the book and, and what your, uh, intention is for it. I mean, you know, how Mm -hmm. you would imagine someone would use the book or, or, 
experience it. Yeah. Um, so the intent, well, that's, a, that's a great, <laughs> like two part to it too. Yeah. Now that the books had about a, a month, a little over a month out, um, I'll put a pin in that because there, there have been some people show, telling me how they use it. So I'll come back to that part. Um, how, like when I wrote it, how I intended for the book, what I intended for the book initially, um, was to teach how we can use our words to empower ourselves. So, and me as an educator, I was reading, a, reading books to the kids because I enjoyed them. So I know the adults are the ones that are going to get things out of it too. So there are right. even some times where I was like, I don't know if the kids are getting the message with this. I don't even know if they're enjoying it. I like this book. I'm going to read it again. <laughs> So I was, I was keeping that in mind. I want that. I know adults are going to be the ones that are reading it most of the time. And yeah, so I, I wanted to put the message out there of how we can use our words to empower us. And so in the beginning of the book, the character Olive, like everything's going well. And then her dad tells her that they're going to move. And while she's still hopeful, um, she gets the new place and realizes things aren't the same. And so some kids laugh, are laughing at her. She's um, struggling with some tasks. Her parents aren't as attentive because of the move. And she's frustrated. And she ends up meeting someone who teaches her the power of her words and how the word abracadabra means with my words I create. So with that message, um, she's told, she's sent off the next day with the task of re reorganizing, re restating <laughs> what she's done. So the next day looks a lot like the first day, but every time she encounters one of the obstacles, she now has a reminder of, oh yeah, my words, I can change my words. And that ended up changing how she felt about the situation. So instead of being upset and frustrated, she is able to rephrase what she says and then be like, okay, I've got this, I can do this. And then at the end of the book, she meets somebody who's feeling frustrated and she gets to take that and use it herself and pass it on to the next kid. And so there's going to be a series going more specifically into each of the language types that got introduced. So we had, um, she went through, yeah, all of them were introduced the projections where blaming somebody else, um, changing those to reflections. So like they're being mean to me to, I can be a friend to others. Um, negations, I can't do this to, I can do this. And then her parents were using soft talk, like maybe we'll go later. And so she taught them about what soft talk is. And then they said, okay, we will go after dinner. So each of those were touched on and there will be follow-up books that go focus on each type. So Amazing. the little boy at the end of the book is going to be the main character in the next book. And slowly they're going to be building into language ninjas, which is the name of the brand, um, which I fall under. So they are slowly getting their skills with the words and toward the end of the books, they'll fully be, they'll be more immersed in the language ninja world. 
Very cool. For those of uh, those people in my audience who aren't familiar with uh, the term soft talk, um, you know, and solid talk mm -hmm. versus solid talk and negations versus affirmation, would you mind just kind of mm -hmm. giving a little explanation of those? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my, my way I like to describe with it, conflict language is what the negations, projections, and soft talk. They're considered conflict, conflict language. And the best way I like to describe them is it's their words that create, create with chaos. So the negation is words with a not in them, like don't, won't, can't, couldn't, shouldn't. And when you're saying those words, they focus your mind on what you don't want. Um, so yeah, the negations get you focus on which, what you don't want or kids focus on what you don't want them doing. Um, projections are more like blaming. So you blame somebody or something outside of yourself. Like it's all their fault. He did this. She never listens to me. It's not going my way. They are ruining my life. So blaming blaming someone outside of yourself. And then soft talk are words that cause, create vagueness. So could you maybe sort of do this thing for me? <laughs> I, I used to do that. <laughs> kind of. I still say kind of, I, I have to catch myself when I say it. I just said it earlier, but yeah. And, and it's, and it also, I feel those words also bring, especially the projections bring shame mm. into the mix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, shame and or anger, depending mm -hmm. on which way you look at it, because of how the you know, like that inner voice gets in your head and it's like, he doesn't think that you're doing a good job or he he's always so mean to me. Like, I is he is he? Always yeah. so mean to you? <laughs> or sometimes or sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. He was Once mean one time that day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. It, it, yeah, they do. You're right. It can cause you to look at people and be mad or cause shame. Like I'm not living up to what they believe. And I think with parents, especially like when I think yeah. of my parents, they, all they want is the best for me, but I had in my head all the time, like I'm not living up to what they want for me. So yeah, <laughs> there's, there's yeah, shame that's that. how they learned how to parent too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just gets passed down from generation to generation. That's why everybody keeps doing it because mm -hmm. no one knows any other way to do it except for a few people. And so this is, and I, and kids can grasp these concepts, I believe very easily as well, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so the solid talk would be more what you want and the, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, reflection would be like bringing it back to you. Like what, what, if, you know, how's this, you know, instead of mm -hmm. pushing it, externalizing it, you're just bringing it back to yourself as a reflection. And then the, uh, what was the other thing that, um, the affirmation mm -hmm. would be like, what, what is happening, right? Actually, actually what is happening versus, what you're, you know, what you're, uh, projecting is happening, you know, I mm -hmm. suppose. So yeah. Or, or, you know, or not focusing, it's more focusing on what you want, I, I believe mm -hmm. too, but yeah, it's, I love all of that. And, and I just, 
it, it, it makes, because I, when I first took that vocabulary course, I was like, it's so simple yet I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> And no, nobody else is that I know. Few people are. Um, wow, you know, and, and it's just mm-hmm. so great to bring that into childhood education because I mean, what better way to create a reality we want to be living in by starting early and start mm-hmm. to do that early, you know, even and then possibly kids could start to discern between what they're hearing from adults, even though, you know, as a kid, you, you do have, you are in a different position, you know, but, Mm -hmm. and you can also start to learn, you know, that sometimes adults don't know everything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, (laughs) I I don't either. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So going back to um, how some of the parents have told me they've used the book on that note too, is uh, what I've had a couple people telling me uh, they've, they've had their kids. um, Maybe they're being upset with themselves or they're being having a hard time with their younger sibling, but the parents uh, would pause them and say, Hey, one of them said, Hey, it sounds like you're having an abracadabra moment. And so her daughter, having read the book a few, several times at least, and knowing what her mom was talking about, they were able to stop and reframe what was going on. And I think with that child, um, she was arguing with her brother and blaming him for things. So her mom helped her through it and got her to see it from another angle. And another parent said his eight-year-old daughter, um, she, he has a hard time getting her to see like how cool she is as a human. She's beating herself up about different things. And sometimes the attitude comes out and he's like, Hey, I think you need to abracadabra this and (laughs) she'll stop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And she stops and she um, rephrases it. And then even he said, she'll even smile when he says it and be like, all right. (laughs) So, so yeah, there, there have been parents taking it. Another parent said her daughter mid sentence stopped herself from a um, projecting. So (laughs) like she's blaming somebody for something and she stopped and then reframed it. And so, and when she told me that, I was like, that's so cool. And she's like, we've been reading your book nightly. <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> <Wonderful>. too. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and it sounds like too, that, uh, what else you, would, a, a child would get out of this and parents too, mm-hmm. uh, is, is a, a better sense of self, mm-hmm. uh, self-worth confidence and, uh, you know, just overall clarity, which is so valuable. Most adults mm-hmm. are looking for that. Right. And it's, I think this is amazing to teach kids how to do this. Um, you know, it, it also creates compassion for mm-hmm. other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we don't know what's going on in somebody else's world. Mm-hmm. All we know is how we felt based off of how they reacted to us. So absolutely. And, yeah. And who knows what we said that how they reacted to it. Yeah. Could have it's come across wrong. Exactly. It's, it, it's communication. You know, mm-hmm. you have to, it's, it's really the art of communication that we, that we could give ourselves an opportunity to learn at any age, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, this, this is fantastic. I remember when my kids were little, 
I stumbled upon this book called Love and Logic, and I started using that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. but that was from a long time ago. And it was similar, but not quite the same. It, it, What I liked about it was it allowed it kind of because I was searching for something at that time. I was like, I don't really want to yell at them because I didn't respond well at, at mm-hmm. with that. That doesn't feel good for me. And it just doesn't seem to get anywhere. You know, just the energy of it feels terrible. You don't want to. And, um, and create that shame and blame, you know, with your kid, you know? And so, um, you know, my parents, they made mistakes, but they did have a a certain level of compassion as they parented me too. So I did get that, um, with my parents and some understanding and, you know, so that, that to me felt good as a parent to be able to give to my child. And so I used that. It was moments of like getting their attention and then and then and pausing, you know, like, Mm -hmm. for example, if they're in a temper tantrum, they they suggest to use. uh Oh, and, you know, just something to get their attention Mm -hmm. and just something, you know, it was was kind of funny. We we joke about it now. My kids are 18 and 20, but are there (laughs) men now? But Mm -hmm. but it was like. I still say it to my 20 year old every once in a while. He's just like, ah, mom, you know, like, you, you know, cause he would just like, what, what he would just get his attention so much. And I was like, you know, let's slow down for a second and you know, what's going on. And, and so my, my youngest, it didn't work on him at all. I mean, he was just like, whatever, I don't care what you think. <laughs> So it depends on the personality, but I like this much better because you're helping them own what they are, uh, you know, helping them become empowered and own Mm. their own language and own their own expression of that, which is really powerful for kids as they get older, because, you know, go from making noises to get attention to actually then using words Mm. and nobody really ever teaches them how to do that. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point too. Cause they, they're following us as adults. They want to be like us. Mm-hmm. So they're trying so hard to walk and then they start walking and they're also trying to talk cause they want to communicate with us. And along the way, one of the first words, what's one of the first words that kids learn <laughs> like mom or dad. Right. And then after that is usually yes. No, or no. <laughs> no yeah. That knows. Right. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. No, yep. don't do that. <laughs> They're setting their boundaries early. Yeah. Yeah. So they learn a lot of what not to do or what they are told not to do. Yeah. 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 Because ultimately parents want to keep their kids safe. Mm. You know, being, I remember being a parent, a young parent, and it's scary when you have your first kid in a way, um, not, I don't know, scary is the right word, but it's, it's, you have a lot of responsibility. You have to keep Mm. this human being safe. You have to keep this human being from, you know, I mean, they're just, they just walk off or whatever, you know, you got to pay attention constantly. Mm -hmm. It can be stressful as a parent. So there's compassion there. Mm -hmm. Parents have a lot to juggle. There's no parenting handbook out there. There's lots of books for parenting, but there's nothing that's, you know, you don't get anything from the hospital when you have, or at home, you know, wherever you birth your baby. (laughs) Um, And so it's, it's nice to have uh, something that parents can, can use, especially in this day and age with everything Mm -hmm. that's happening. Um, Especially like we were were talking about with the educational system Mm -hmm. breaking down and it's changing. So I, I have always thought with kids, it's less is more. I, Mm -hmm. I don't understand this whole thing. I've seen lately a lot of, uh, 
I don't know how, what to call it, but like it controlling kids' experiences and stuff, mm. you know, from parents. And I've, I've seen that sometimes, um, like when I've been on, you know, hikes and stuff. And, and it's really interesting. I'm just like, sometimes I don't feel like kids are allowed to just play, mm-hmm. y- you know, I almost feel like the le- less is more as a parent um, and, and let the kid explore and find their own you know, solutions mm-hmm. or, or challenges and, and find ways to get through that, you know, and you support them, but yeah. you're not doing it for them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, <laughs> had me thinking about when I was where I taught at the preschool, it was really controlled because safety first, um, we had, we would be writing up reports anytime something happened with the kids too. And like, if anything happened on the play equipment outside, then we've got to talk to corporate. So you're doing anything and everything to maintain that everybody's safe <laughs> so that you're not having to write reports or call corporate because somebody fell off of the play structure or right. the, all these different things where yeah, it, it felt like there were so many things being tied behind my back for safety that I'm like, I want to let them play. I want to let them have fun. I want them to be able to have the experiences I had where I just had free range of the playground and I cannot do that. I've got to instead (laughs) be here telling them how to play safely. And if they're acting like children, (laughs) stop them and then redirect them to play less, <laughs> play more safely. So yeah, <laughs> it's, I feel like the world's very much become like, you gotta keep them from getting hurt, keep them from learning and exploring because they could, that could lead to injury, which actually recently I remembered growing up in the eighties, almost every, not almost every, but I felt like there were so many TV shows where somebody lost a limb or you were hearing stories about people who lost fingers, who yes. lost arms or like chopped their True. foot while, while I remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. It is weird uh-huh. how it, it gets into people's psyche and, you know, because I remember, I mean, I grew, I, I was born in the seventies. So, mm-hmm. and I grew up in the eighties as well. And I just remember there were times where we would get in our friends, uh, our friend's dad at an MG and we'd get in the back and sit on the back of the seat. We weren't even in seat belts, mm-hmm. sitting on the back of the seat without the top. Okay. <laughs> and we're going over these Hills as fast as he could go now. Okay. That's super irresponsible. Right. But that's what it was like in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And no one was like, not saying that's the way to do it, but it was just, it's just interesting, the contrast of where and, and where we've come to now, although we've learned more and we're probably smarter in some ways. And in some ways we've clamped down almost too much to the mm-hmm. extreme and uh, kids are now afraid to, as they get older, this is why they're afraid to do anything because yeah. they weren't allowed to explore and I mean, I got hurt so much when I was a kid. I mean, mostly from gymnastics, but, and then my kids got hurt when they were younger too. Nobody wants to see their kid get hurt. Don't get me wrong. And at the same time, it's a part of life. It's a part mm-hmm. of life. It's a part of being active. Sometimes it's a part of exploration. You, you hope that, you know, it's minimal at best. Right. But 
but it's another thing that is, is just a part of life. And, mm-hmm. um, as well as getting dirty and, you know, getting mm. germs and those kinds of things, it's always been, you know, people haven't worried as much about that until now. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it just, I feel like it might be creating a lot of anxiety for the next generation. Mm-hmm. If we, if we don't allow them to explore, you know, it, it's right. something that I've thought about, like, again, I have a lot of compassion for parents. They're dealing with a lot of stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember though, thinking to myself as hard as it was at times, I needed to let my kids have independence so that they could eventually learn how to take care of themselves and be confident and trust themselves. Because mm-hmm. otherwise there's no other way to build the trust. If you don't begin to trust them as they develop, you know, of course they have to, there's developmental stages of that. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's, and there's ways you can, you can, uh, create independence and trust as they get older. There's different, you know, levels of that, but I, I I don't think that there, the importance is placed on that enough because you ultimately, I, I mean, I personally want my kids to be able to take care of themselves mm-hmm. or at when they were kids and uh, be able to uh, think for themselves as well, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they have become that they're, they're really, I, I love, they're such wonderful human beings, you know, you've met them. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> you Very know, rethinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and they, and they. And I don't, you know, as a parent, you have to, at some point, you know, you're going to always support your kids, but you're not always going to take care of them like mm-hmm. you used to. And they have to learn how to parent themselves and take care of themselves. So I think that's like starting early to help them, even with just empowering them with words, you mm-hmm. know, letting them, trusting them with something like that is huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my main ultimate goal behind when I wrote the book was I want them, I want kids to be able to have the tools while they're kids, while they're building their identity and developing who they are as a human so that they, unlike me, don't become 36 year olds who are just for the first time learning that, oh, my, my world doesn't have to look like this. I don't have to feel stuck every day. I get to decide what my life looks like. And yeah, realizing that like as kids, they're building their identities, they're building who they're going to be by picking from the people, adults in their lives, what they've learned. And if we can hand them these tools while they're building that, they get to grow up with the knowledge that it took me (laughs) most of my current life to find out. (laughs) Right. Let's hope they learn faster. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It took us years to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was thinking like, I ideally college is getting more and more expensive. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not feasible for kids to at like 20 years from now, kids in college, if it goes up the way it is, that's not feasible for anybody unless you're super rich. So that another system that's going to something major is going to need to happen with it. However, these kids have tools to be like, I can do and be what I want. Their creativity is opened versus realizing being told you fit in this box and this is where you stay. They're thinking outside of the box, which means they can help solve a whole lot of things. at a younger age too, because 
they're thinking outside of the box versus inside of the box. And we wouldn't need a whole bunch of kids going off to college to be running the, the hamster wheel because they could figure things out without needing all that extra education because they trust and they believe in themselves. And hopefully because they're trusting and believing in themselves, they're experimenting and they're making mistakes and they're learning that failure is okay. And that's, that's That's the big important, Mm -hmm. So important. And that I think is what's hugely missing right now. So many people are afraid to make a mistake, afraid to fail. And really what we need to do is fail because that's how we learn. Yes. We Mm -hmm. learn from our biggest failures. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to figure that out. I was trying to be so perfect for so long. And then Mm -hmm. I was like, God, this is really hard. (laughs) You know, it's really hard to make everybody happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly. And that's how we learn how to make mistakes through play as well. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, it's an, it's a very easy, uh, there's not a, there's not a whole lot of risk, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in, unless you're, you know, I don't know, unless you're doing something crazy, but, um, you know, <laughs> but as a kid, you know, you're just, you know, just playing, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, everything doesn't have to have a purpose when you're a kid, you know, and, and, and the thing about it too, is imagination is so valuable these mm-hmm. days. It's, if you can't use your imagination, or if it's hard for you to access your imagination, then it's going to be hard for you to break out of limiting thoughts and beliefs mm-hmm. that are keeping you where you're at. And as well as like what you're talking about with new solutions and innovations that we need moving forward for a new, a real, really a new reality that we're stepping mm-hmm. in here. We need, we need that creativity and thinking outside the box from, from the next generation for sure. <laughs> as well, we have to step up to the plate too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, the, <laughs> we need their help. <laughs> we do. I don't want to put it all on them, but, uh, no, but, if, but if you have ideas, can we'll you bail us out, please? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do, I do. Uh, I know I, you really inspired me because I was like, yeah, we need to start investing in the next generation because mm-hmm. this is important. Um, and I love also what you talked about. I wanted to touch upon this about your idea for, for bringing in a conscious media show w- mm. that would be based off the book, Ooh, yeah. which is really cool. I love it. I, I used to, I told you this last time we, we talked it, I loved this show called the electric company or mm. electric company. Maybe it was just called electric company. And it was, it was kind of co- the comp a little bit competitive with Sesame street, but not quite as different Mm -hmm. show. And it just brought everything like learning about words into more of a rhythmic aspect of that, Mm -hmm. just into, and it was so much more fun to learn that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's how we, that's how we are built to learn. We're built to learn through, through sound, through song, through dance and creativity. You know, that's how mm-hmm. we, that's how we remember things. It's not through memori- memorization. Um, like you said earlier in the conversation, repetitiveness. Yes, that's important. Those are our rituals and, and things and, um, and how we start to build new patterns, but also the play. Mm-hmm. unlocks your creativity, right? So that yeah. you can explore that. And um, I really think that it's a shame that we've taken music and PE 
out of the mix mm-hmm. in most schools in uh, art too. It's just those I feel like are so important mm-hmm. for developing the whole human, right? Yeah. I, I still remember a lot of the schoolhouse, schoolhouse rock songs. <laughs> yeah, those are great. Uh-huh. Yes. And yeah, you remember them now, right? Uh-huh. Because that, because of the way they were, uh, you know, uh, created and, and, and it, it, it just, you don't forget songs like that, you know, You're those right. are, that's the, you don't. So, um, yeah, most of the stuff in my history books, I mean, it's just like, huh, yeah, but <laughs> no, I do remember some history, mm-hmm. but, um, I, yeah, like as I just always remembered things that way better than it, than I did reading it in a in a book uh, so much sometimes. But um, times have changed. I'm, I'm, I can read now. I can, yeah. I'm good at reading. So and I've written a book too. It's true. So, you have. <laughs> yes. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I just I think it's so important for kids mm-hmm. to be able to equate learning with having fun and not put some seriousness into it. It's it's kind of a bummer to do mm-hmm. that. So yeah, yeah. So what we want, what do we want to create, Kristen? We want to create more rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. Into the into the mix with the words, the empoweredness yeah. of the words. And so, yeah, and help people, like you said, not wait till you're 36 to know that you can create your own reality. Start right. when you're five. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I uh, this is an incredible conversation, Kristen. Um, I really had so much fun as I, as I knew I would, um, please tell, please share with my audience how to find your book and mm. anything else you want to share about your book. Mm. Uh, my book can be found on Amazon. Um, Ab- Abracadabra, I know what to do. So uh, that's where it's currently the, the only place I can, <laughs> the only place <laughs> it can be sold. Other than um, through my my web website, kristenjoycoaching.com, I have an option. If people want to um, have a signed copy, I sign it and put a few goodies with and ship them off. So put some extra love into the book. Nice, (laughs) nice. So yeah, um, the book, the main place to find is Amazon. And yeah, at my website, there's the book there. And then I also have some resources, um, free things and a few that are paid, but there's coloring pages. Um, there's a companion guide. Some, I think is what we called it, but a a guide for, if you want to go deeper with the book. Um, so it goes a little bit into, um, some of the talking points in the book and also, um, trying to remember now what we put on it, <laughs> but, um, some, some questions to think about. So going deeper into what, um, like what Olive's feeling, one thing that Rachel did a really amazing job of was showing Olive, um, so boldly and really zooming in on her emotions. So, yeah. um, talking points or questions to go deeper into the book, to ask kids, like, what is Olive feeling here? Have you ever felt this way? Um, getting getting more conversation going to interact with the book. Um, yeah, so there's a few resources. There's wands that are in the back of the book and they're paper wands. So being aware <laughs> that these paper wands, once they're cut out, could disintegrate pretty quickly. There's more <laughs> of those on my website. So <laughs> you can go print some off for free, get more wands, share wands. 
That's I awesome. Do some. So. I love that. Oh, you know what you could do? Mm-hmm. Uh, just giving you some ideas here. Yeah, just came to mind. Uh, create help people create their own wands at home. Like mm-hmm. tell them. Maybe Ooh, yeah. they could use as an art project to create their own wand. That's a good idea. I am working on getting good ideas for my email list. So <laughs> that would be a great one to go into an email. Yeah. Cause that could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. And what's your website, Kristen? Uh, my website is kristenjoycoaching.com. Awesome. And uh, let's see what else. Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Um, there's a couple. So the one specifically for the book is language ninjas and all one word. And then if you want to learn a little about me or see the random things I'm up to, kristen.joy.davis is another. So, and you have a podcast as well. Um, so pirate living podcasts. So there's another Instagram for that too. (laughs) So so if you want a taste of what Pirate Living Podcast, what we talk about, the Instagram's a good place to get the taste for that. Wonderful. And yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been so nice to talk to you, friend. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. And connect chatting. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we'll see each other soon. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Kristen. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you.